0: In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, you may be seated. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, who has visited and redeemed his people. Who has visited and redeemed his people. God, visit us and redeem us this morning. We're having a baby. How many of us who are parents have made this announcement? It's generally a happy announcement whether or not the baby was planned. Quite often, of course, babies are planned or at least expected at some point. I mean, it generally doesn't come as a shock. How did this happen? Today, we look at the most significant birth in history planned since before the beginning of time. And mom is stunned, absolutely floored. And in fact, this is exactly what Mary says. How can this be? The God who made it happen had to reassure Mary, as only God can, when he overwhelms us with his presence. Most of us say we want more of God. We don't, really. What we want is more of ourselves. I'm dating myself here, but the great song by Whitney Houston, the greatest love of all, she sang, is love for yourself. That's the problem. All the self-love we can generate doesn't come close to satisfying our insatiable need for love. It's like needing a hug and hugging yourself which is what we are having to resort to in this particular era of keeping our distance from one another. What we need is a hug from someone else. So if you're at home watching, don't do it here. Just go and hug somebody you love. God created us to be receptacles of his love for us and only he, love us into the fully alive human beings he has always intended us to be. But do we know how disruptive and demanding that love is? No, thank you, we say. I'll settle for the insular comforts of self-love. Thank you very much. We do not want God to invade our lives, to radically disrupt us with something we don't want something profoundly and terribly good, which our hearts simply cannot accommodate. And God has to invade our hard hearts, break and remake and expand our hearts, and reorient our lives around his love for us, through us, to everybody in our lives. Give me somebody to love, Freddie Mercury sings, and God gives somebody to love. And we say, no, no thank you, I'll take somebody else. God so loved the world, all of us, that he sent his only son by invading Mary's womb. It's an invasion. I don't know what else to call this. Impregnation does not convey the magnitude. This is the greatest and most sacred invasion of privacy of all time and radically disorienting to Mary. I mean, if you think about Mary, a young maiden, 13, 12, 13, 14, her life is going just fine. She's on a predictable, predictable path. She is engaged, good. She is engaged to a good guy, Joseph, great. This good guy is in the lineage of David. He's got good genes, wonderful, Mazzelt off. Then from seemingly out of nowhere, the archangel Gabriel breaks into Mary's predictable, conventional, and ordinary life and delivers the biggest birth announcement in history. You're having God's baby. And he sets this up with the very first Hail Mary. Hail, O favored one. Hail, full of grace. Hail, O favored one. Well, what in Mary's circumstances is favorable? It was normally taboo for a man to greet an unknown woman in Judaism. How much more so when the woman is engaged? And until her marriage, that woman is alone and vulnerable. And Gabriel's mission of informing an unmarried and ineligible young woman in an insignificant village that she will bear a child is full of social obstacles. How ironic then is his message, greetings you who are highly favored. Mary's probably thinking, uh, no thank you. In fact, she is greatly troubled. The word describing her fear is one of the strongest words for fear in the New Testament. It occurs only here in the New Testament. And God both terrifies and reassures Mary as God does from time to time. Both the intrusion and the grace to accept it come from God. This is all God's initiative. Mary does not earn God's favor but receives God's predetermined blessing and his powerful presence and loving presence. Before the angel tells Mary what's going to happen to her, he says, who is going to be with you? Who is going to happen to you? The Lord is with you. Before Mary becomes the mother of grace, she is first the daughter of God's unexpected, beneficent, and overwhelming grace. God's presence and God's love is all over her. And Mary doesn't know it, but she is fulfilling Nathan's prophecy to King David, the oracle of 2 Samuel that Susan Just read for us. That is one of the central texts of the Old Testament. King David receives through Nathan Jesus' birth announcement before Mary does. David and Mary both have huge roles in the Jesus story, but you couldn't have two more different people. David is a type of Christ. He prefigures Christ insofar as he is Messiah, the anointed king of Israel but he's also the anti-type of Jesus. He is a powerful king, a glorious mess, and his house is a mess, and he wants to build God a house. He wants to confine and domesticate God as he seemed to domesticate just about everyone else in his life, and God says, I have never been confined and contained to a house, because I'm free. I'm free to roam. I'm free to be present wherever I want to be present. And he says, I'm not about to be contained to a house now. Instead, and then God lists all the things that he has done for David. I took you, David, from the pasture. I made you a king. I cut, you off, from your, I cut off your enemies from you. I made you great. And finally, he says, I will build you a house. And this is where Mary does what David can't. Or I should say what God does through Mary what he couldn't do through David, or what he wouldn't do through David. And God houses his own son in Mary's womb. This is the main difference between David and Mary. David wants to preempt Jesus. David wanted to do for God what God could uh, could only do for him. David says, you gave me a kingdom. Let me make you a house, at least. Let me do it. Mary simply allows God to have his way with her and to make her his home. And let it be, says Mary, let it be. You know, Mary is the first human being to say, in reference to Jesus Christ, let it be. At creation, the divine fiat, let there be, at the beginning of creation, let there be light, let there be waters, let there be land. That let there be culminates in the divine project, let us make man in our own image. And you know that that divine project is culminated, it's fulfilled in Mary's let it be. God says let us make, and Mary says let it be. St. Ephraim the Syrian, one of my favorite saints, suggests that one of the names of the church is Mary. The Virgin Mary is a symbol of the church when she receives the first announcement of the gospel, and then she receives the living word into her womb. And St. Ephraim, through some sanctified imagination and calculations, which I can't try to explain in a short sermon in which I can barely understand myself, St. Ephraim draws attention, uh, attention to the interrelatedness at a deep, deep structural level of the Annunciation The Last Supper, Jesus, the Passover Lamb, and the Eucharist. And occasionally, St. Ephraim, in a burst of enthusiasm and imagination, makes the leap straight from Mary to the Eucharist. He writes, Mary has given us that bread of rest in place of that bread of toil which Eve provided. And in a more accessible form, our own Matt Milliner wrote, God became human once for all in the womb of Mary. Then through the Eucharist, he enters human bodies over and over for as long as time endures." The Church, the Eucharist, all souls, the souls, breaking the bread of rest, God's rest together, and finding rest for our souls. Let it be. Can we simply let it be? Not let it be me, but let it be, as you and your word has told us to simply let it be. I've been thinking a great deal this week about the way of David. Let me do it in the way of Mary. Let it be. There's a lot of let me do it in me. I pride myself in my self-control, not realizing that this quickly des- uh, devolves into my self-controlling me. In times of desolation, I want to seek my own consolation. Let me do it. When life is out of control, I try to take control. And you all know this never goes very well. Along with Mary, I need an invasion of Jesus' love into my life, his powerful, disruptive love. We can only have one person carrying the baby Jesus. And she opened the way for all of us to receive him into the deepest recesses of our darkness, into our desolation. And Jesus often comes in ways that we are not seeking, that we don't even want. Through all we've been this year, through all that we've been through this year, do you think Jesus might be preparing us for an invasion of his love Do you believe he can overwhelm us with his loving presence, each of us, all of us, scattered, and draw us together? God's Spirit surprised me this week. He showed his love for me when I was seeking not love, but some measure of control. I was feeling desolate and wanting to take some control over my life, so I phoned a person who's far away from here, hoping to tell this person what we needed, what I needed. And this person listened carefully and patiently to me for half an hour. And then she said, please, Rob, let's each of us take 30 seconds to be quiet and simply to listen and to discern what God is telling us in just one word. And as I was silent, tears came to my eyes, and one word welled up in me. that word was love and for her the word was presence what Mary knew God's strong presence and his love for her his love in her his love through her for the entire world let it be as we go into Christmas let it be and see what God can do, amen.